Hello and welcome to another financial well-being podcast with myself, David Lloyd, and Chris Budd. We're good morning. Here. Yes, good morning to you. We're here as ever to talk through another knotty issue in the world of financial well-being, and today we're talking about philanthropy. But before we go on to that, Chris, you've just written another book, haven't you? You, you polymath. Tell us about that. <laughs> yes, thank you, David. Um, Manners from Heaven is my second novel, currently available on Amazon. Um, I can't tell you how it's going just at the moment uh, because. They only pay royalties on books once a year. This is apparently a standard thing in the publishing industry. So how somebody who is needing the money and the royalties from their books, how they manage, I have no idea. Once a year they pay out royalties. Isn't that amazing? Well, that's incredible. I'm going to stop writing. I was writing the novel now. I thought, that's all. Every month, big check coming in. Yeah. Have to wait a year for it. Not so sure. Yeah, but yours will be made into a Hollywood movie, and that'll be different, won't it? At the very least. So now I'm looking forward to reading your book, because I know we had long conversation when you were at the very start of it, what, a couple of years ago now, probably, we talked around and had a discussion about the plot and the characters and all of that. So I'm really interested to see where you've got with that. Well, I've also got a bit of an issue with you, David, because you've been spotted doing something which I find quite appalling. Mm-hmm. You've been selling your record collection. I have indeed, yes. Is this a result of financial well-being conversations? It kind of is, in a way. You know, I've been looking around. We've, in the previous podcast, we've talked about decluttering our life and prioritising what's important to you. Uh, working out what you actually need and what you don't need. Well, I looked at my vinyl collection, which has sat on the shelf of my house for, uh, I would say, probably 10 years since any of it was taken off and actually put on a record deck and played. Do I have all of that music uh, stored in a different way? Yes, I do. So I thought, I'm just going to get rid of it. It's just cluttering up my house, gathering right. dust. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. This is records we're talking about. Yeah, I know, records. Say. They're things of the past. Move with the times, old man. Well, the irony is, of course, it's done us a little um, service because my 16-year-old daughter has bought a load from you. Well, of course, <laughs> exactly. So the kids are doing it. But I, I actually discovered that some of the albums that I own are worth quite a lot of money. £20, £30, £80. I've that got Buck's a... Fizz album was worth £30. <laughs> 30p. Uh, I've got... Um, apologies to any Buck's Fizz fans out there. Both of you. <laughs> I've got... Uh, they won the Eurovision, Chris. Don't knock them. <laughs> they might not be our cup of tea, but they've made a lot of people very happy. And and I bet they don't have to wait a year for their royalty checks. <laughs> But I discovered that, so I got a copy of Hunky Dory by David Bowie, which is in pretty good nick. Original, no doubt. Uh, yeah, yeah, original. And it could be worth as much as £800. Wow. So what we're going to have a little look at today is we're going to have a chat about philanthropy. Um, a little word on some future podcasts. Um, I'm quite excited about an interview I'm doing later today with a chap called Carl Richards, who in the world of financial planning is a superstar. American chap who runs a podcast himself, which I thoroughly recommend people go and listen to, called Behaviour Gap Radio. Behaviour spelt the American way without a U. And uh, he's got loads of really interesting ideas about, about financial planning and wealth and money. So looking forward to talking to him later. Great. Well, before we start talking too much about future podcasts, let's crack on with this one. So what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about philanthropy. Philanthropy is any form of giving. Now, it's really important before people think philanthropy, that's not for me. Philanthropy means 50p to somebody on the street, to £10 to the Red Cross on a monthly basis, to a million pound charitable fund. There are ways to increase and maximise the well-being you get from giving. So we're going to talk about that. It's probably worth having a quick recap how we got here. 
An important plank of financial well-being is control over daily finances. Now, what we suggest that people do in the Financial Wellbeing book is to spend a bit of time with their bank account and work out how much of their income is required for what they would call a happy life, for what makes them happy. A term we use for this is your subsistence level of income. Yes, we did a podcast, didn't we, with uh, Michelle Magar, and she spent a whole year seeing how, how little she could live on, and I think her figure was £35 a week for £35 a week. food, drink, shopping and bills. Uh, the bills actually was... Um, oh, well, that was extra. That was extra. So £35 a week for her weekly food and drink shop between her and her husband. Now, OK, that's a bit extreme, and she mm. was going to see how little she could live on. But she did it. She did. And she also, um, other people want to build in other things, obviously, that she didn't have, like holiday and leisure activities and so forth. Once you've got that figure of how much you need for what is your happy life, you may hopefully then have an excess. And that's what we would call your disposable income. So there are a number of different ways of spending that disposable income. We can buy stuff. We can make our bring our future closer by investing it and put it in pensions and what have you. We can sell our record collection. <laughs> we can buy more records. That's another thing you could do. Or you can give it away. And so we're going to have a little look at giving it away in the uh, in the best possible way to maximise your well-being. And that's what you call philanthropy. So that's like Bill Gates creating the Bill Gates Foundation, giving billions of his money away. Or indeed, in a previous podcast, I remember we had uh, George Ferguson, the previous mayor of Bristol, on there, and I remember he said something. He said something like he, he couldn't think of anything more fulfilling than giving money away. I think he cited a thousand pounds, which may not have been at the time a huge amount to him, but felt that if it could make a huge amount of difference to uh, another charity or an individual, then that made him feel very good. And that, I guess, is the nub of what we're talking about today. Um... Now, you may have just heard a little bell at the end of what I was just saying, so we've actually just had to pause the podcast because I now have a very excited, almost childlike Chris Bud. He's now tearing this parcel <laughs> open to try and find what it, it is. is. <clears throat> and it's his book, Manners from Heaven. <laughs> just had the delivery. As previously mentioned. Wow, delivery of uh, my novel, which I haven't seen before. Fantastic. The, the the leopard on the front is done by a friend of ours, you know, Hannah, Hannah Ponting. Yeah, great. Very cover. talented lady, um, who also did the, uh, the the fox on the front of Bridge of Straw as well. So, David, have a free copy. Thank you. It's actually <laughs> been handed over to me, I would say, on air or whoever talking. Look at that. I shall read that and look forward to reading it. And then I'll let you know whether I actually enjoyed it or not. <laughs> so, back from the excitement of A Kid at Christmas <laughs> to the reality of... Uh, Philanthropy. So we've just been talking about the excitement of giving money away. But now we're going to move on to some tweets that we've had in from uh, Chris's fellow financial advisors. We're still waiting for a good title for this strand. There's, there's something in there around uh, a professional, but I'm, yeah. we've got to be very careful how we construct that title. We I do think. indeed, yes, but I'm sure someone can come up with something. So Murray McEwen, and that's at Murray McEwen. Accumulating money gives freedom of choice, but the only thing that frees us from money itself is to give it away. Well, that's deep, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And Murray is a, a bit of an expert in, in philanthropy um, as, amongst financial advisors. I've seen him give talks. He's a, he's a knowledgeable chap in this area. Yeah. The point, of course, to bear in mind in all of this, you know, you might be listening to this podcast, you might be thinking, oh, I've got enough money to pay the electric bill this month, and here these two people are waffling on about giving money away. 
we have to put this into context. You know, there are some people that have more money to give away, but philanthropy could quite simply be giving somebody 50p for a cup of tea. It doesn't necessarily have to be on the Bill Gates level. Um, back to the tweet, uh, Matt Bradford, who is at Mr Xmas Tree, uh, sent us a blog, actually, about goldfish. And he makes the point that, uh, like his goldfish, which is called mammon, which grows to the size of its bowl, we tend to spend the money that we earn. And uh, Matt concludes that the happiest goldfish is the one that figures out how to stay the smallest relative to the size of its bowl. Well, that's an interesting thought. And you could read more about that in his blog at myfinanciallifeplan.com. And I think the, the point there is that um, yes, there are going to be people listening to this who simply don't have any extra money for philanthropy. But for most people, it is a choice. Karen Wake at Pension Monkey says, pay yourself first, save first, then spend. Uh, and there's also one tweet that I would mention as well from uh, at Howard Bullock, who's also a financial planner, just to show that they're not all taking this too seriously. Age is not important unless you're a cheese. Thanks for that, Howard. Very useful. <laughs> as speaking myself as a vintage cheddar, I would quite agree. <laughs> so we're going to assume that people have worked out how much they need to live on and that they've got some spare money, either in income or in cash, and they perhaps want to give some of it away. What happens next? OK, so let's look at a few of the uh, basic principles of giving. Um, for example, we get great well-being from planned rather than reactive giving. This is because giving to, say, a homeless person on the street tends to come from a feeling of guilt, whereas giving money to perhaps a charity which supports homeless people can give the joyous feeling of helping others. Yeah, now this is a tricky area, isn't it? Because, you know, some charities say, actually, don't give money to people on the street because you're not quite sure what they're going to spend it on. But if they're by a sandwich shop, go and buy them a sandwich, go and buy them a hot drink. I've often had that dilemma myself. And I used to give money to people on the street. Then I got this earworm of don't give money because they might spend it on drugs. And then I found I stopped doing things. So I actually don't give as much as I used to now. So um, I need to make more of an effort, I think, to actually perhaps go up to them. This goes back to a previous podcast as well about acceptance of others and about communities and about talking to people and saying, look, I'm not in a position to give you money, but is there anything else you want? Do you want some food? Can I buy you something to eat? Can I buy you a cup of tea? And actually have a conversation with them. And in a way, that might be more difficult, um, but probably, I suspect, ultimately more fulfilling than just throwing 50p into somebody's bowl. So can we ask that you do that as an experiment and then next podcast perhaps come back and tell us how you got on? I will do that. I will definitely do that. And of course, there's other ways. So we're recording this just coming up to Christmas. So this year, I'm not selling Christmas cards this year, but I'm actually making a donation to my local food bank because there are a lot of people in our area not as fortunate as we are who are really going to struggle for food this Christmas. So I thought, well, rather than spend probably £100 on writing and posting and sending Christmas cards, that money could be better spent helping other people. So actually, in the wider scheme of things, it's not costing me any more money. I'm just re-diverting my resources. Um, and, you know, with Facebook and all the other social media, I've got every possible opportunity to go on there and wish my friends and family a happy Christmas. Yeah, we do this at Ovation, actually, my financial planning company. And we do an email to everybody then to tell them that we've given a donation, not sending them cards. But, of course, that's good. Um, that's a good publicity for the, for the charity as well, so that's OK. So that's the first theory, that we want to make planned giving. Next, we want to make it a regular amount, a little and often. 
could be a good way to, to express that. Then getting involved with something or having a personal interest in the charity has been shown to have a good impact on a person's well-being. So this could be a personal connection, a personal interest. It could be something, you know, quite often you see somebody who've, um, who suffers from cancer. They do something to raise money for cancer research. It's a very common thing, isn't it? Yeah, we've talked, uh, I've talked in previous podcasts about my late wife, Dinah, who had MS. And I used to get quite involved in doing uh, charity raising for the MS Society and for the local MS Centre. And when you can actually see money that you'd raised being used to help, you know, not just my wife, but also other people that we knew as well. Actually, that made me feel good as well when you could see a direct result. And it was that really which has led me now to, um, you know, I like doing stuff for charity. Um, I like raising money for charity or helping out in different sorts of ways. And uh, and it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's because you have a, a, you've seen the impact of the charity. Exactly. I have absolutely seen that. So I've known that, you know, we did a... Um, at our local cricket club, we organised a game against a, a team of uh, international test cricketers. That was a fun day. It was a great day. It was about eight years ago now, Chris. I can't believe it. The, the most fun day I've ever had at cricket. <laughs> um, and I, I got a test cricketer out. <laughs> Which one? Uh, uh, Brendan Taylor, the Zimbabwean yeah. one-day captain. Yeah. Got him out. Cost me a lot of runs, but I got him <laughs> out. Uh, but that was a lovely day. And we raised £28,000 for the local mm-hmm. MS Centre mm-hmm. that day. And that was that was great to then subsequently see the the gratitude from the MS Centre people. So you don't do it for the gratitude, but the level of their gratitude, it helps so, doesn't it? But the yes, it does help. But the level of gratitude that they showed made it clear to me how important that money was yeah, yeah. to them. Well, this is something that we're going to go on to because, in a way, this is the first of a two-part podcast. Because in the next podcast, we're going to interview some of those fundraisers who are going to show us how they take the theory of philanthropy that I've just been talking about and they use it to maximise giving. The Jesse May Trust in here in Bristol is one of them, and Oxfam is another one. Um, we've interviewed a couple of their fundraisers, and that's going to be some good stories in that. It's going to be a bit oh, of fun, Oh, I look forward actually. to that. I used to do, when I worked at Bristol City, we had a close tie-in with Jesse May, yeah, actually. Yeah, so they're an amazing organisation. They are. Yeah, amazing organisation. So that's coming up in the next one. Um, just going back to the theory, uh, in some ways, the very act of it, giving itself provides well-being irrespective of the cause this is because it can remove the feelings of dependence on a sum of money now to give an indication of what i mean by dependence this doesn't this isn't a charitable story but hopefully gets across the idea we have a um, a client who received a lot of money i mean a million pounds or so unexpectedly as an inheritance and her immediate reaction or the reaction of, over the ensuing weeks and was of huge guilt. It wasn't that she felt um, empowered and my life has changed. She felt really guilty that this money had been given to her. And we worked with her over a few years, actually, um, to make her realise that the money was given to her because that's what somebody wanted. You know, that wasn't her fault. It was somebody else's choice. And she, she started giving quite a bit of it away, which was fine. And we worked with her to work out how much she needed to keep so that she could give away the right amount and not too much and so forth. But it was interesting that her reaction was not a positive one. It's interesting, given that there's been a massive news story in the UK over the last couple of days about a woman that wasn't left money. Uh, her mother cut her out of her will, left £164,000 inheritance to various animal charities, and the woman has sued the charities to try and recover some of the money and has ended up getting 
uh, quite a lot of it back, which opens up a whole different area of debate. Of so course, obviously, some people feel guilty about being given money. Some people feel bad <laughs> about not being given and money. And you, you know, I've read stories in the past about people who have been um, who knew they were going to be getting huge trust funds with huge amounts of money, and they've given it all away because they have found that having the money was troublesome for them in some way. So. This is a complicated area because we're dealing with people's emotions. Um, it's not, however, new. The American financial planner, George Kinder, is one of the big names in the financial planning world. And his seven steps process are used by a lot of people around the world. The last step in his seven steps is a moment of revelation where people understand the true nature of their relationship with money. And they realise that their happiness in life is not dependent upon their wealth. And at that point their priorities change, and it often leads to increases in philanthropy. So giving money away can in itself be a joyous thing, just to know that I didn't have to have that money. It is, I'm not slave to it, you mm-hmm. know. That's great, Chris. So now that we've understood the nature of philanthropy and how it might work, how it might make us feel better, how do we actually practically go about doing it? OK, so there's a, there's a few things to share with people here. Currently... Giving in the UK is around eleven billion pounds a year, which might sound like a lot of money. Well, it However, did when I first heard that. I thought that's a huge amount of money. Yeah, actually, it's it's not. It's only two hundred pounds per adult mm-hmm. per year, which I don't think is a lot of money personally. It might be to some people, but when you consider high net worth people and the wealth there is in the UK, it's actually a very very small amount. It's actually the same amount as the UK government take from tobacco duties. Is that right? Now, there's an organisation called Philanthropy Impact who is working hard to use some of the principles we've been talking about to increase charitable giving. They found, um, and this is, this is quite interesting, they found as a fact that people giving as a percentage of their wealth decreases the wealthier people get. So let me just explain that again. So somebody who doesn't have much, who gives away a tenner, probably means a lot to them. But if you are a multimillionaire and you give away a £1,000, it doesn't mean so much to you. And it's a smaller percentage of your total wealth. That seems to suggest then that people's giving is is relatively flat and they don't see donations as a proportion of their money, which does seem to go against what you were saying earlier about having a a personal connection because you think that donating larger amounts would enable someone to get involved or or see the effect of their donation. Which is exactly the point that Philanthropy Impact are trying to make. Um, They're trying to get more advisors, financial planners, to um, look into the area of philanthropy, to advise their clients, and to get more particularly wealthy people to ask their advisors for help in order to make sure that they use their philanthropy in ways that will maximise their well-being and so point them in the right direction. Yeah, but what do you mean by the right direction? Okay, let's give an example. Um, There are bodies in the UK called Community Foundations, Uh, Community foundations are a a kind of signposting organisation. They're a a, a pseudo-government organisation. There's one in each area. The one in the local area is called the Quartet Foundation. And what they do is they help people to give. Uh, And this could be by um, a small donation. Uh, It could be a large amount setting up your own charitable trust. They do an enormous amount to connect charities to philanthropy. Community foundations in the UK look after over £500 million of endowments. 
and they give out 20,000 grants a year of an average size of only £3,200. I say only. To some, that's a lot of money. To others, that isn't. Yeah, it's interesting. You talked about quartets when I was uh, in one of my previous roles as uh, setting up the uh, Community Trust at Bristol City Football Club. Um, and uh, one of the things that I had to do was to look to try and find ways of uh, you know, getting money in. And so I... Uh, had some dealings with Quartet and looked a little bit into the sort of things that they did. And, and I was amazed to discover that there is this huge world of philanthropy out there, uh, as you say, a vehicle for people to either give money that they can then be given away or indeed for people that need money to go to them and access it. And the community foundations, people like Quartet, they understand the theory. And so they will help people give in a way that will maximise their well-being by getting them involved with the thing that they are giving to, for example. So we can't all give as much as Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg, but they are a brilliant way of helping people to make donations to their local communities so they can see the impact. I think, just to go back to that point, we touched on this earlier, but um, you sometimes see stories about um, some kid that's made some biscuits to take into his school fair particularly around children in need and things like that. And again, that might have been a very small thing for that child to do. It's not cost them an awful lot, or indeed their parents who would have paid for the items for the biscuits. But that's going to give that kid a huge amount, I would imagine, a huge amount of well-being to do that. So we're not all Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg, but we can all do our bit in a small way, and that can make us feel disproportionately better about ourselves yeah. than the amount of money that yeah. we're giving. And the community, community foundations will give a lot of feedback on the impact of your donation to help you feel good by giving. Oh, they're, that's good to know. They're a great organisation. A few other little things to round up. Um, a few uh, specific points about giving. There's tax incentive for giving, gift aid. Um, every time you give £1, the tax man will give 25p. And for high-rate taxpayers, they can even reclaim back the bit between higher and basic rate. And I always gift aid my donations, and it's yeah. great. And if you go onto a site like Just Giving or this Virgin Money Giving, there's a whole load of those sites now. Yeah. It's very easy to do it through that. And yes, they take a little percentage, but I think for me that's fair enough. Because I think the um, the amount that charities have received must have gone up because of Just Giving. It must have done. It's so much easier. Although a... I have a bit of an issue there, mm. actually, because if somebody's running a marathon, the old-fashioned way of doing it was I'll give you £1 per mile. Mm. And you're only pay them once they've blooming well done it <laughs> <laughs> you're just a tight one well that may be true so um, so that's so that's a very good way of doing it and you can then look back as i do when i'm filling out my tax return and if anything you've done through just giving it's all recorded there it shows the the, the gift day that you put in so it's a very simple way of keeping a record of it as well there's also special tax uh, considerations for legacies in a will um, I'm not going to go through the detail of it now, but it's really interesting to note, and this is something um, that came from Philanthropy Impact, the number of people who make a donation to charity as part of their will goes up by 40% when those people were told that it's a normal thing to do. Isn't that an interesting psychology? So they need to be given permission, in, in a way, way yeah, don't they? Yeah. That, that it's all right to do it. Yeah, well, also, um, maybe there's an element of um, peer pressure. Well, this is normal. Everybody does it. Oh, well, I better do it then. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, whatever, I think we are, whatever works, frankly. We are, we are 
very easily led in many areas of life. And so if we could be easily led into giving more of our money away and making <laughs> ourselves feel good, then that's great. Yeah. So look, we barely scratched the surface of this. A big, big issue is philanthropy. It's a really interesting issue as well, some of the psychology behind it. If people want to look into this a bit more, then go and look up your local community foundation, talk to them. That's the obvious place to start, I think. Find a local charity that does something that means a lot to you, perhaps. And there's a book, if you're interested in the bigger picture, called Giving is Good for You by a guy called John Nixon, N-I-C-K-S-O-N. And he's got a bit of a bee in his bonnet that the wealthy people should be giving more than they do. And he explains all the good reasons why and why it's good for us, good for society, good for everybody else. So that's an interesting book. Excellent. Well, as you said, we've probably only scratched the surface, but we're going to come back to this in a future podcast. Keep your suggestions coming in. Keep your tweets coming in. And we'll be back with you very shortly. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is OvationChris and David is at David underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. If I were rich, I'd have the time that I lack to sit in the synagogue and pray, and maybe have a seat by the eastern wall.